Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Doing it in a slightly different room because we're recording on a slightly different day. Uh, and we are going back in time to watch uh, every episode of Monday Night Raw from the very beginning to our bitter end. Who be we? I'd be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, joined by the Mulligan to my uh, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. How are we, eh? Hello, hello. Uh, all right, it feels weird being on the wrong side. Here. <laughs> we are the wrong side, aren't we? Yeah. Are we, would you say we're on the wrong side of history? Uh, yeah. I think we are. We're like Oswald Mosley. <laughs> we are. Straight in! Straight in there! Oh, goodness me. Have you had a lovely week? Yeah. I've been working from home, much to the chagrin of the entire office. Oh, <laughs> we've had your life for that, I'm afraid. I know, yeah. So it was, um... It's every time you come in when you've had a few days, because it's quite... Laissez-faire for those who get the job done uh, in terms of like, you know, getting in, getting working from wherever. Because there's yeah. been a few occasions, like this week I had a day where I worked from home because I had like a whole bank load of Desert Island graps that could only be recorded on Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, you're only free on Wednesday. So is the rest of the fucking world. <laughs> um, but it was all lovely people. But so there's the odd occasion where we end up working from home. But I love the joy in Aiden's little face. When you've had a couple of days working from home and you walk in and the first thing he always says is, oh, oh, decided to turn up, did we? I was waiting for the Metro this morning and out of the corner of my eye, I see Ashton. She goes, oh, you're right, Skyver. I'm going, <laughs> I just like, outside of Janus Brown and Tom Campbell, I'm the hardest working man in showbiz. <laughs> no, it's because we had, and this is me forgetting that the reason I was working from home was because I stayed up Friday night to watch Impact Rebellion. You did, didn't yeah. you? Good, good show. Impact Hard to kill, good. surely. Hard to kill. Yeah. You, you stayed up so late, you, you slept through to another show. That's how long you were up for. I think, that's why Rebellion's on the mind, because I was upset because they announced Rebellion on the 16th of April. I was like, 
Oh, so in that two weeks I'm doing Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor, WrestleMania night one maybe, and then oh. that a couple of days later. I was like, oh, great. Oh, they, I love, I love, 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 love when everybody books their shows around WrestleMania. Oh, it's so good. Because ah. it means that we don't fucking sleep all April. And then there's Easter, and you know yeah. what happens. You've got to stay up. And you know how there. this man is about chocolate and eggs. Oh. They found a holiday that combines the two. Wake up at two in the morning, naked and screaming. Go, <laughs> <laughs> it's like get a mini egg and push it up my ass. Um, but yeah, it gets I'm, into I'm, the I'm a, quicker. <laughs> I'm okay. Kick <laughs> <laughs> a mini egg, shove, take a shove it up my ass. I'm good, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Yeah. Um, speaking of eggs. <laughs> Did I tell you that Pablo had a limp? You did, yeah. I did tell you the Pablo limp story. Yeah. Did he lay an egg? He didn't lay an egg, no. no. I thought he'd lay an egg. But um, <laughs> little, little piece Cat of shit. Cat egg. <laughs> 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 out, I think he was faking it. That doesn't surprise me. Because I looked this up and, and he was fine like a couple of hours after I got back from work. Mm. After Alex had frantically texted me going, Pablo's limping? <laughs> I was like, oh no. Give me the saw. Um... <laughs> It's cheaper than the cheaper than the vet. He was fine. He's fine. He's fine and dandy. Um, but apparently, I read this up on a on a cat on a black cat Reddit forum. Sometimes they just fake an injury just just to get their attention from us. Good. Yeah. Yeah. They just go. You're not talking to me enough. Oh, yeah. my leg. And then he coupled this with hanging around his half full food bowl. Oh, if only I had food, I wouldn't die. I was like, mate. And then he put dreams on the other side of the room. He's like, oh, I'll go get it. Ah, you piece of shit. So we think he was faking it. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I had... Your cat story is far more harrowing. Fucking Lewis. <laughs> it's Louis the exorcist cat by the sound of he, he, it. He gets called Lewis when I'm in a mood of him. <laughs> so the week before we recorded this, Sean was off for the whole week. And she texted me saying, the cats are fine. Kittens are okay. Blah, 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 blah. They've been good as gold. Uh, and I was going home for a couple of afternoons because I'm working on a new and exciting project and for this first research, but I can, it's best for me to do it at home. Uh, it's um, convenient. Uh, well, it's books, what I'm meant to do. R- sit there reading the book as Jack King's going, ah, oh, I love Mo from The Simpsons. And Aiden's going, see, the problem with the, the, the Tet Offensive is... I'm just- all done we have to put up with it so do you instead i can be like oh i'll sit quietly at home and read about eric bischoff and other things i may have just given away what i'm working oh. on there. that's right it's tna matt rats matt rats <laughs> matt rats <laughs> um she said louis has been fine and for those couple of afternoons i was like okay monday i was working from home because aiden was off so i'm running the website easiest to do from home sean's mm-hmm. back and work a minute before she leaves the door Louis vomits from the top of his cat climbing thing and hits six <laughs> different oh, things God. and a big brown meaty sick on the floor. And he's like, well, I've had no food now because there's nothing in my system. I'm going to scream at you every 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, I text Sean at Hartall saying, I'm about to throw him off the fucking balcony. <laughs> he was, luckily, it was a dead couple of news days. So I got everything like, boxed off fairly tidy. It wasn't like it was like right against the clock. Mm. But it was just 
He wouldn't. He wouldn't take no for an answer. And then obviously about three o'clock in the afternoon, he's like, "Oh, I'll go to sleep now." It's fine now. I finish at half four. I'm like, "Oh, great! Uh, an hour and a half of bliss." <laughs> was he just meowing at you the whole time? He just he keeps he, hungry now. He just comes in and he hums. He just goes. Mm. <laughs> he hums. Mm. Mm. And occasionally he'll meow. And when he meows, it's like, what do you, what do you want? And we've figured out he wants food and attention. Yeah. And after you've given him food, he wants attention. You're like, well, come hang out. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I better better go yell at a wall in the <laughs> hall. I'm just like... <laughs> when you said he hums. As in, I thought like... <laughs> I thought you were going to say as if he smells. Oh, but... <laughs> well, he has just been sick all over himself and his cat tree. I'm, I worry about Louis. I worry he might be broke. Yeah, oh, he definitely is. He's definitely broke, isn't he? Yeah. Like, but like in a lovable way. Yeah. <laughs> like last night, Sean was trying to give him some dreamies and like throwing them from him. He's like, there you go, Lou. And he's just looking around, just like, ah! He's like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> They've disappeared into a vortex. I don't understand. He's like, oh, because Sean thinks he, he might be a bit, he's old. I think he's like 10 or 11, mm. which is, you know. He's, he's not he's it's an oldish senior man. in cat years yeah senior so she's like oh is he blind I'm like oh, I don't think he's blind but his eyesight might not be good but I was like but that doesn't excuse anything because cats do a lot of stuff by their nose so and their whiskers eyes as well yeah. yeah so unless he's eye nose and whisker blind <laughs> this cat is whisker blind <laughs> so apart from that Apart from, he's, apart from that, he's well. Do give him, do give him my love. Not too much because I feel like he's just he's pandering to it now. Yeah. He's, he's not as bad as uh, other cultaholic cats that we know of. He's, he's when I ninety time ninety percent of the time when I say he's sick, it just means a big hairball because it looks like yeah. sick. But this was just him getting excited, eating his meat, and then running up the catering and going, "Oh, that's a bit quick." <laughs> oh, Pablo's definitely done that before. I watched him eat his food, zoom up and down the corridor, then go, "Wait, wait, no!" <laughs> Yeah. Like, and then Alex uh, Alex came through as he was being sick. I said, I'll just watch him run up and down the corridor. He's made himself sick because yeah. he's an idiot. But <laughs> so we think Louis does that. So. Oh, what a boy. What a boy. Um, but you, we, we started that by saying talking of eggs and then talking about yes, a cat limp. Yes, we did. Yeah, talking of eggs. Um, our email of the week comes from Daniel in Minnesota. Classic at cultaholic.com if you'd like to say hi. Uh, and the title is Subject Re-Eggs. <laughs> Which I always thought meant reply, but it means regarding. <laughs> regarding eggs. Oh. Is there a certain egg dish that Jackie Orlando doesn't favour? For example, my wife loves sunny side up, but an omelette makes her nauseous. Mm. Many thanks for the hours of entertainment, Daniel Minnesota. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. From the, from the, from the land of Prince. Whenever yeah. I think of Minnesota, I think of the purple Yoda. I always think of X-Pac. Yeah. <laughs> Who is also a purple Yoda. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He was uh, dealing with the X Factor. Um, (laughs) Boiled, like hard-boiled eggs. You're not a hard-boiled guy? Not really, no. Mm. I'll eat an omelette. I'll eat a fried egg. I'll Mm. eat your scrambled. I'll eat your poached (laughs) egg. He drinks a coffee to make him wake up. He drinks water to make him shake up. Um, Yeah. Is it funny though how how like this is the case with you and with Daniel from Min's wife Mm. and with Alex who was like I don't mind scrambly egg I don't mind chucky egg Mm. which is something her mum used to make her which is like I think it's like scrambled eggs in the microwave Mm. Um, but she's like I can't eat an omelette makes me makes me feel sick yeah so it's like it's funny but it's all it's all from the same yeah. Pid- from the same bird backside. You about to say pigeon, pigeon. Ba- about to say pigeon backside. If someone then. can sort me some uh, free range pigeon eggs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a bit of boilers. Not, not one for a boiler. No, you're not no, a boiler. I'm not, I'm not like Peter Beatty's wife. <laughs> he, 
she loves a fuck and boiler. <laughs> Classic at coldsaholic.com. If you'd like to ask Jackie Orlando about his egg eating habits, that has been the, the, the talk of the town. Are you keeping track again for 2023, I, I by am. the way? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm on the spot with this, so don't worry if you haven't got the answer, but do you know what you're up to so far? Bollocks. Uh, what date are we on? It's on the, we're recording this on the 19th of Jean Vier. So. Somewhere around the region of 40. Okay. <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. That's a strong start. Yeah. Potentially, could, if you really put the effort in, you could crack 100 by the end of January. Oh, God. Oh, and that, then you'd stink. I would stink. Oh. Then I would be at home doing no work and just lying on the floor praying for death. <laughs> Clutching your stomach that simply cannot pass anything but the lightest of wind. I'd just be like, I yearn to feel the Grim Reaper's touch. <laughs> Take me now. I can see a light. We're going to get into Monday Night Raw from June the 3rd, 1996, in the real boring world. Uh, number one in the movie in the movies in the UK is Up Close and Personal. Remember this? I know the name. Remember her? Did Julie Roberts? It's an ama- uh, No, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> oh, Piper, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. Yeah. Uh, it was a rom-com drama uh, starring Robert Redford as a news director, and Michelle Pfeiffer is his protege. Now, it was an adaptation of Golden Girl, the story of Jessica Savage, Mm. which is a book by Alana Nash uh, that was based on the troubled life of a news anchor. However, it it was very much altered from the play and from the book, and by the end of it, people went, this is nothing like the book at all, so it kind of became its own weird thing. Uh, It it did very well, though. Yeah. Top uh, top film in the UK this week. Mission Impossible, still number one in America. Of course it is. Uh, Number one in the US. Music charts, the billboard is Bone, Thugs and Harmony, The Crossroads, still all in there. Yes. Number one in the UK charts, The Fugees, Killing Me Softly. Oh, there we go. Uh, It's a cover uh, of a a song that was released back in the early 70s. Yeah. Uh, written The lyrics were written in collaboration with Laurie Lieberman. She was inspired by a Don McLean performance in, this, in 1971. Uh, and uh, it was composed by Charles Fox. Lyrics by Norman Gimbel. Strumming my pain with fingers. One time, one time. <laughs> uh, the Fugees, uh, the American hip-hop group, mm. uh, took on the song uh, as Killing Me Softly. Uh, and uh, Lauren Hill was on lead vocals for it. It became their biggest hit internationally yeah uh, number one in the charts in the u.s and it'll go on to be number and it's number one in the uk charts this week as well uh topped the charts in over 20 countries by the end of things and became their best selling it became the best selling single of 1996 the year that fucking three lions came out yeah and everyone still sings fuji's killing me softly uda thunk it uda thunk it the fuji's keeping on keeping on uh multi-time platinum uh for the fuji's as well uh this week well, actually, this time tomorrow, uh, the space rocket Ariane 5 uh, explodes 47s after takeoff in French Guinea. Oh, that's, this is my D in GCSE geography coming through here. That one. Guiana? Guiana. French Guiana. Sorry if you live for, in French Guiana. Uh, it cost the European government $7.5 billion over 11 years for Great. this one. Yeah. Just around the same time as we've, we've had the, uh, the failed rocket launch from Cornwall. Cornwall, we had a problem. Have we? That was the other week. There was a rocket launch in Cornwall, a horizontal rocket launch uh, with, the, with the help of Virgin. They were going to launch a rocket into space, started yeah. horizontally, and then it just sort of tipped upwards, and it 
and they faced a technical anomaly just outside of orbit. So it came down before it even reached orbit. Fantastic. So that was uh, 10 years of work from the Cornwall Space Station. Good, good. Was a good, good lads. Good time ad by all. <laughs> but that was recent history, not this classic history that we're in now. Uh, also, this is the week that Steffi Graf uh, will defend successfully her tennis French Open World Championship, uh, beating Araxa Sanchez Vicaro uh, to win her French, uh, fifth French singles crown. Good on, Steffi Graf. Well done, Steffi. Up the graph. Up the graph. Up the graph. <laughs> what about the exciting world of wrestling, Jack Atkins? <sighs> Like we said last week, this is where it gets exciting. It's a hell of a week. This is when I've been, for people who've been listening since I hopped into the seat, <laughs> this is like the time frame I've been counting down the weeks. To. Never mind how you've been feeling doing this since Raw episode one. Oh my God. So obviously last week, it just all kicked off. We had Beware of Dog. We had Not Razor Ramon turn up on WCW. And uh, from the Wrestling Observer, Observer newsletter dated June 10th, 1996. My heart sank when I read this. By television on May 28th, Vince McMahon had gotten word that Davy Boy Smith had given his 90-day notice to WWF, allowing him to leave the company when his contract expired at the end of August. What the fuck is he thinking? Unlike previous notices with Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and Ted DiBiase, this wasn't the case of another performer giving notice as a prelude to signing a contract with WCW. Don't worry. Apparently, I am worried! Apparently, Smith gave notice, according to one source, as a way to renegotiate his contract before it expires, and according to another, simply to get Vince McMahon's attention because of several things going on that he was unhappy about and had complained about to no avail. A fuming! <laughs> he should have been sick down his cat tree like Louis was. <laughs> he wants to get attention. I'm so fuming, I've chundered. Hey, Vince! <laughs> See that pie? Pie king. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk sick, to... sick king. No, I don't want to talk to Gerald Briscoe. I want to talk to big man upstairs. <laughs> well, God. So there's a, a lot of waffleage here from Dave. So No. I know, right? Not succinct Dave Meltzer. Succinct Dave. So there's, but all of it is like needs to be touched. So this will be, this will be jazz, as we say. Mm -hmm. So there are no imminent plans of Davey Boy going to WCW. Nor at press time had anything born worked out in regard to staying with the WWF after the end of August. McMahon and Smith talked on June the 1st and were scheduled for a meeting about his future with Titan Sports on June the 6th, at which point Smith and Titan are both expected to be clear about his future plans. WWF's plans were to use Davey Boy as the headlining heel and keep his feud with Shawn Michaels in the top spot on every pay-per-view show through SummerSlam, although adding other participants to the feud along the way. Smith's giving notice is said to have nothing to do with his and the Hart's family's Hart family's unhappiness with the way they perceived Diana Hart-Smith, the queen of our hearts. It was going to be portrayed in the company's top current wrestling angle. Smith wrote the letter given notice, something he'd apparently been seriously thinking about for months before the pay-per-view match with Michaels, but the telegram was not received by the Titan offices until May 28th. Morse code. What's this? Dear sir, stop. <laughs> I am fucking fuming. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Making our Diana look like twat. Stop. Sincerely, Davy. stop. Present this at Chip King for 2% off order. Stop. Um, Turns out it was cheaper to send a, send a, send a strippergram. I just saved some money. So there's just this woman gyrating on Vincent Mann talking about British Bulldogs downside guarantee. 
It was cheaper to send stripper grandvids. Not made of money. It's cheaper for him to write it in crayon and hand it to Vince himself. <laughs> I wish he had. So, um... Bye. Yours, Dave. Dave. So, apparently, the pay-per-view, the disastrous pay-per-view match of Beware a Dog had nothing to do with the notice. And that's not his fault either. And the match wasn't that bad either. Yeah. It was, a lot, it was a lot of moving parts around that night. Apparently, though, they were furious because um, there wasn't a rematch scheduled for Beware a Dog 2. So, according to the versions of the story that David received, Smith and the Hart family were under the impression the conclusion of the angle was going to be that it was Diana who had come out, come on to Michaels, that he rebuffed her, and they were going to, you know, find a lawsuit, making it up, going to show on camera, etc. Blah 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 blah. However, Stu and Helen Hart and Bret Hart were all said to have been upset with how they believed Diana was going to be portrayed in the angle, since a television character is just herself, and it's not someone who doesn't exist using a pseudonym like Sable or Sonny. Obviously, playing or Brett's heart. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they were just like, no, don't like it, don't like it. And yeah, Smith wasn't happy about this, but this had nothing to do with his plans to leave. The finish that aired at Beware of Dog was the planned finish for the pay per view match. However, neither HBK or Bulldog knew that their match in Florence was airing on pay per view, and they were simply doing a house show match and were doing a different finish than what was planned. So they thought, oh, the lights are on, but the feed's probably off, so we're just going to play to the house. Oh. So the real match would take place two days later as part of Beware of Dog 2. That's what they were thinking. Right. So they thought, they, the feed's off, we'll just do a match, send the fans home happy. Mm. <laughs> and then we'll do the real match at Beware of Dog 2. However, during the match, word got to Earl Hebner, who informed both wrestlers that the match was currently airing live and there would be no rematch on Tuesday and that they had to change the match, shorten it to fit the pay-per-view and go back to double pin finish. By this time, they'd already done a number of rest holds building to a longer match. Because of the power outage, the crowd live wasn't as responsive as expected and HPK by this point already knew the match was below par and apparently felt it beyond redemption. In addition, some of his concentration on the match was taken away by a heckling fan at ringside, which we'd mentioned before. Yeah. And his swearing at the fan and calling her a fat cow while being held in a headlock by Davy Boy wound up turning all the fans in the ringside section on him. This only frustrated him more with him, ex- uh, like we said last week, exploding at the guy who cued the music. Uh, but apparently it was a two-way street as David Boy was also apparently frustrated by everything that was going on. Both Michaels and Smith were said to have been upset with the quality of their match and the decision not to have a rematch. So I'm, I'm really sad that we didn't know this, uh, that going into Beware a Dog, but I also love the fact that in hindsight, we can look at that match and go, this makes sense yeah. now. Because he was in a shitty old he was a mood. Shit mood. He wasn't selling. There was a bit where I think Davey had him in like a rear chin lock and Sean wasn't even selling it. He was just sat there fuming. Because at some point during that match, they were told, oh, this is going out live. Can you go back to what we originally planned? Hmm. Right. And HBK being a professional and everyone's favorite wrestler, you know, as far as But it's obviously, but it's a finish that obviously lends itself to a rematch. Like, it'd be weird to think that you wouldn't get one. But I think it would be... They the, wanted one immediately after at the, that yeah. rehash of Beware of Dog. Yeah, and I think that part of it would be like, oh, perhaps the audience would be pissed off seeing the same finish twice, being like, hey, something's going on with this wrestling here. Mm. But they kind of correct it, because obviously, you know, as we'll talk about with King of the Ring, there's, yeah. we're getting a go around again. So, But it sounds to me like a big part of it is, is our Ravy Davy Boy 
trying to get a, a little bit of extra money out of the company yeah. in the height of a bidding war. I do wonder whether... There's always a risk when you do that that you'll get your bluff called. Yeah. I'm leaving. I wonder All if... All right, bye. I wonder Ooh, if he shit. thought because with Brett being out, that gives him leverage. If he's just like, if you don't give me what I want, Brett might not be happy. <laughs> Brett's never <laughs> and, happy. And Brett, who looks up from his paper, goes, couldn't give a damn. <laughs> oh, I'm... Um, um, but I've, I've stole your pen, Vince. Can't sack me now. Got your pen. Ooh. Ooh. Look Ooh. at me, Pen Jones over here. Got your pen. <laughs> pen Jones like, Davy Boy, that's a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. How dare you pull this magic on me? <laughs> oh, Vince, you're a wizard. <laughs> so, oh, but, but, uh, the thought of Bulldog leaving us makes me sad. But the more I think about it, obviously this doesn't come yeah. to pass. At this moment in time. At this moment in time, <laughs> at least. Yeah. He's not, not going to be cooking in WCW again yeah. <laughs> with the Shockmaster. <laughs> yeah, I'll give that some time. That's a, another adventure. There's a bit more about Beware of Dog too. So we've had kind of the full picture of it now, buy rates, etc., etc. So as Dave puts, Dave Meltzer, not Dave Boysmith. <laughs> if only Dave Boysmith is probably the observer. So it was shit. <laughs> Four stars. Uh, out of... Because one's the best and five. Is... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave Melster thinks I'm brilliant. I've got the most one star. <laughs> he gives me loads of one stars. He thinks I'm great. <laughs> I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so Vince McMahon was obviously under considerable pressure with a blank screen during more than half the time he had allotted for the original pay-per-view. Felt unnecessary to give the fans who were so patient uh, the main event they paid to see. However, in hindsight, it, it appears he made the wrong call. There was almost no interest in the replay showing on May 28th because there was no main event match because it had already gone out and live. And rightly so. Yeah. The build main event match was already seen by everyone who cared as a below-par match of a poor finish and certainly nothing worth paying $20 to see again when you could simply call the cable company up and get a refund, particularly since a large percentage of pay-per-view viewers watching groups and the Sunday group, in most cases, wouldn't be able to get together again on Tuesday night. Even then, the situation was chaotic as some companies offered full refunds and others such as DirecTV would only issue $10 refunds to those who complained, which due to circumstances beyond the control of the WWF left a lot of people with a bad taste regarding WWF pay-per-view events. The double pin idea was to set up the King of the Ring rematch and having already done that the idea apparently was that the double pin result would become obsolete in the King of the Ring build-up if there was a subsequent match with a different finish. But so there was considerable requests for refunds and mix-ups between wrestling fans and cable companies. While no figures are in at press time, sorry, I said that they were, but they weren't, word almost across the board indicated a buy rate for the show far lower than for any show in either WWF or WCW history. Wow. Dave's own poll responses were down 70% from the lowest purchase pay-per-view shows in WWF history. Jeez. So a bad week, especially with the week with... Scott Hall coming out on and yeah well. I mean there's it's an act of God that's caused all this nonsense and I, I kind of I I do applaud the way that they attempted to make good yeah totally get it like in the in the cool light of day you know probably still, I think still think probably the right thing to do to go if you bought the pay-per-view don't get a refund come back on Tuesday night yeah. and we'll we'll do some of the matches again uh, but then I guess by that point, you've gone, well, it's, as you say, King of the Rings in a couple of weeks. It doesn't really matter now. It's fine. It's what it is. Yeah. And then interesting that DirecTV were doing £10 refunds as opposed to full whack because I know that they'd have been like 
silly buggers and gone, oh, well, you've got half the matches, so you're getting half the money. Yeah. In the, you know, it's, it's like we get refunds from a train company where they go, we're going to give you half the money because you're only half delayed. <laughs> oh, shit bugs, aren't they? Yeah. Pieces of shit. But yeah, look, but yeah it's, it's not a great PR week for, for no. the dub dub F. Well, they had to strike back against the worked interpromotional angle started one week earlier by WCW on Nitro. They did. It says here, though, Vince McMahon, in what appeared to be a prepared lawyer's statement, said on the June 3rd Raw show that Diesel and Razor Ramon were no longer part of the World Wrestling Federation, but they intend to portray themselves as the stars they once were and were participating in a ruse that they're still part of the WWF when they're no longer under contract. I can't remember hearing him say this. He, it's option six of the superstar line. Oh, this God. week. Okay. It's op- this is where this is where Vince says that. This is where Vince is keen to yeah. separate like them from WWF. Because Dave's saying it as if he said it on Raw. No, or, no, no. It's, it's they they encourage a little advert for the superstar line on this week's episode of Raw, mm. where they say watch yeah. option six. It's here. Vince McMahon's thoughts on the latest corporate buyout Ray, from. Ray. And it's con- and that's where the that's where the quote comes from. He's obviously pressed mm. option six on the superstar line. Yeah. Uh, so that's what that's about. They've yeah, they have an outward they've been very clever, they've been very shrewd of WW WCW. They haven't outright said, I'm from the WWF and my name is Razor Ramon. Here <laughs> I am, Chico. Ooh, isn't Stanford shit? I'm going to beat up WCW anyway because I'm from up there. They haven't said that. They've kind of nudged and winked yeah. to insinuate that. Um, and the, by, by not even saying, I'm not Razor Ramon, and just saying, you know who I am. They've been very careful oh, God. Uh, on, yeah. on Nitro. <clears throat> they were very careful with like, you know where I am, but you don't know where I'm here. Like, yeah, they know. And yeah. Vince knows what they're doing, and yeah. he's calling it out immediately. Hoping to co- sort of dampen the flames by putting out a statement that says they are not affiliated with the World Wrestling Federation. This is not a war between the WWF and WCW. These are two independent contractors who have gone to WCW. Well, yeah, in addition, WWF released a legal letter sent to Scott Hall, which informed Hall they believed he was infringing on Titan's intellectual property rights by still portraying the Razor Ramon character in WCW. And Titan will be withholding all future payments, future merchandise checks, and the May in your house pay-per-view payoff, along with other money he's not yet paid to him. They'd be holding all that until the matter is settled. Mm, until they, until I presume until they go on telly and go, all right, I'm not from the WWF. Yeah. I now work for WCW. But then that kills the angle. A little at least bit. that's the thinking at the yeah. time, is it kills the angle that they're uh, looking to pitch. I'm being clairvoyant here, but I seem to remember, oh, I've got a vision of WCW doing that, and it doesn't kill the angle at all. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking bollocks, mate. Oh. <sighs> talking of bollocks, Shawn Michaels apologised to a few wrestlers for not having his priorities straight in regards to the deal at the last Madison Square Garden show and the Ooh. curtain call. So he's gone, oh... I'm sorry. <laughs> He's been in a shit house of a mood lately. I won't do it again. <laughs> oh, oh and you. And Vince is like, oh, you little tyke, go on. <laughs> Give by yourself some sweets. <laughs> uh, Ultimate Warrior missed the weekend shows because he either pulled or had a slight tear in his shoulder or trap. No word on when he'll be back. Ahmed Johnson replaced him at all house shows and beat Vader with the Pearl River Plunge nice. in, in less than five minutes most nights. Oh, Vader's really in the doghouse at this point. But coming off the main event angle from last week, Johnson was over and bigger than ever, apparently. He's now being groomed to be the company's number two babyface behind only Shawn Michaels, since Undertaker is more of an attraction gimmick. This is 1996. Yeah. He did that for nearly 30 years. And Warrior's being booked the same way 
you know, since he'll lose steam as time goes on. Yeah, I think Warriors considered more of an attraction gimmick as well. Absolutely the right call mm. to make Ahmed Johnson at least, at least your number two. Yeah. Babyface. I'd have, I'd have had him in a, in a thing with Shawn Michaels, personally. Yeah. At this point, as dangerous as he is. <laughs> God, imagine if he had one hair on Michael's head, he'd be gone. <laughs> he'd be dropping to Henry Godwin in two seconds flat. Talking of dropping to Henry Godwin, uh, Jim Neidhart debuts her <laughs> a new gimmick on June 23rd. That one didn't even work. <laughs> when did Jim Neidhart lose to I Henry Godwin? I don't know. I don't know. But Jim's coming back. Yeah, is he though? Is he though? Uh, there was only one other gimmick I've known Jim Neidhart do, and it's not a favourable one. Yeah, in a, there was a um, there was a, an independent show maybe a year or so after this. Yeah, in which he turned up in a white hood to in, impersonate some horrific racists, mm. uh, and that's the only other gimmick I've known him do. And I don't think it's that one. Yeah, he's he attacks Virgil, doesn't he? he does. And then takes off the white hood, and he's just wearing his gym the Anvil Is Nighthawk he... gear. It's like he could have at least wore jeans. Yeah, he could at least mixed it up a little bit. Um. Another report from Dave. For all real purposes, the click is now done. And I've just put, yeah, <laughs> fucking yeah, right? Yeah. They've just become pen pals rather than bosom buddies. That's oh, all that's happened here. Oh, God. They're making Hunter lose all the time. And oh, I'm, oh, <laughs> I have to at least pay 10% towards my bills now. <laughs> and Vince, Vince, Vince can only praise me in private. And, oh. That wouldn't happen because Sean will go around. I'm going to write a letter to Kevin. Where's my pen? And then there's Bulldog going, I'm gonna go. I was writing to Vince. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> now, Bulldog, use your crayons. Don't use don't use Shawn Michaels' good pen. Oh. The one that he turns upside down and Sonny's top comes off. <laughs> Could someone get me to John Menzies who ran out of crayons again? <laughs> John Menzies! Stationary box open. Oh. <laughs> uh, in other news, Bob Holly may be leaving. <laughs> Unfortunately for us, he won't. <laughs> he ain't going anywhere. That man is full of ideas. Yeah. They won't sack him off. So we've, st- we've still got a lot. It's a busy week. It's a busy week. Bit of WCW. Uh, yeah, go on then. So Nitro is now two hours. Um, oh, God. So apparently <laughs> that, the first time they went two hours, the first hour did great numbers in the ratings, more than what Thunder and Paradise did in the same slot. However, Raw still beat it. And we'll have to see how this pans Oh, interesting. Because I thought that first two-hour Raw featured the debut of Razor. Scott Hart. Mm. That's the way Dave's worded it anyway. Wow, and Raw still won. Mm. Good on Raw. Keep it Apparently. So, but, um, it's a changing of viewing habit, and it can take a while sometimes, can't it, to change viewing habits? I'm being oh. clairvoyant again, but something tells me that from the end of June, there'll be... 81 or 82 <laughs> weeks or something like that in a row. Uh, so, yeah. Like I said, this is... It's, it's getting meaty. It's, it's great, getting, it? It's getting fucking nasty. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting... You know what? It's great because you see WWF just staying in their lane, just chugging along, and you can see Nitro basically, like WCW, like loading the cannons. Yeah. At this point, and getting properly ready for war, two-hour show, your biggest stars, yeah. improved production. Like, you could see them, like, getting ready, and, and WWF is like that little sailboat just bobbing along, like in the video game Overboard. As these fucking cannons are pointing out, oh, it's good. It is getting fucking nasty. It's going to get nastier as well. So, news of uh, potentially someone else who may be joining WCW. So... 
Inoki had one of his wrestling peace festivals, the one we were talking about. Yes, this is the one they wanted to get um, WWF involved with as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and Linda McMahon, I think, said yes and then said no. And WCW said yes because they work with New Japan and AAA and CMLL and all this. But wrestling on that show was Chris Jericho. Bischoff apparently offered him a deal. And also talked with Bam Bam Bigelow, although Bigelow can't come in for several months because he's still under contract for WWF. And Eric Bischoff apparently wants Jericho full-time. He just saw him and went, he's he's mint, I'm having him. So Jericho's on his way in. Maybe. Possibly. Bigelow's working out his fuck-off money. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Talking of fuck-off money. Like a good bit of fuck-off money. Do you want My a bit last of... big radio job, they gave me a bit of fuck off money. Oh, I'd love a bit of fuck oh, off money. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then I spent it all on a trip to Iceland. <laughs> the... Really, Su- I should have put it towards a house. But... <laughs> Supermarket or country? Both. Oh. Yeah, one after the other. Where's Bjork? He's like, uh, this is the sausage roll aisle. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> so for a bit of fuck off money, there is talk that Ted DiBiase was brought in with a gimmick name of Zillionaire Ted. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> So we'll see how that pans out. <laughs> Good luck with that, lads. Uh, we've got some ECW bollocks. Oh, yes! I like a bit of ECW balls. There was tension at a recent show at the ECW arena when New Jack went off on Brian Pillman in what everyone who saw it swore was unplanned and Dave was told was a shoot, but appears almost nobody in the outside world believes it because it's Paul Heyman and Brian Pillman. So apparently Pillman did a TV interview running down, the East, running down ECW and his fans. And apparently he either called the gangsters NWA, as in the rap group, right. but said it in full. Oh. Um, so, you know, but not calling them that particular racial term, but comparing mm. them to the group. Anyway, New Jack was listening and apparently went ballistic oh, no. in front of nobody but the wrestlers confronted Brian Pillman and when people tried to explain that Pillman talked about the rap group and wasn't calling them racial names New Jack wouldn't listen it wound up with about 10 minutes of extreme tension New Jack at one point quitting and getting ready to walk out telling Mustafa his his, um, gangster's partner to come with him apparently Mustafa apologised to Pillman for what was going on and indicated he wasn't going to walk out with New Jack Paul Heyman went berserk, telling New Jack he's blowing his last chance with the company if he walks out and no-shows the main event. A compromise has then worked out, but this just sounds too weird to Dave. When New Jack agreed to come back and work the main event, if he could do an interview in front of the fans about Brian Pillman, and for some reason Heyman agreed, which turned out to be a mistake because it wound up killing the main event. And Dave just thinks it sounds like an angle, but... Oh, so he thinks he might be being worked. Maybe. Work, 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 Just because who's involved? Paul Heyman, Brian Pillman can't trust a word these guys say yeah. elsewhere in ECW the gangsters in paradise Samu and Matthew Anawahi who have just recently been fired by the WF they debuted at ECW arena and we saw them was it once or twice yeah they, just, just they're nodding a fat again I really liked where they were going with that yeah. and then they just sort of dropped it so I'm glad that they're keeping the momentum going elsewhere apparently Samu was going to be suspended for violating a WWF company policy and it wound up with Samu and Anawa, Matthew Anawahi just quitting instead oh so they were so they were going to pull the plug anyway mm, it seems because of the whatever the policy violation was so two two bits of miscellaneous bollocks and then we'll get on with the show oh. so as we said before Antonio Inoki held his latest wrestling peace festival in LA originally he'd hoped to sell 100,000 tickets Instead, sold around about 2,500. Oh, no. With roughly another 
two to three thousand coming for free. The Japanese mags claim there was a respectable 8,400 in attendance to protect Inoki's image slash ego. So they'd obviously downsized. They wanted the LA Coliseum because he was just like, worked, worked in Korea, bringing politics and wrestling together. I'm going to do it in America. And everyone in America was like, who's this fellow with the big... Is that the fellow who fought... <laughs> Did he fight Muhammad Ali? <laughs> Why is he wanting to wrestle politicians? <laughs> <laughs> uh the, the reports from it said, you know, WCW, AAA, blah, 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 blah. And just WCW got booed out of the building repeatedly. Oh. And everyone just shouting, Bischoff sucks. God. And Bischoff standing up and trying to lead it and own it. And... Oh, so he was sort of like, hey, we'll happily be the bad guys here. Mm. Why were they getting booed? Just because they weren't... I don't know. They were the enemy territory in some way. Well, they're in LA, which isn't a uh, WCW yeah, town. That's not it? a WCW turf, is it? That's no. probably more WWF, if anything. Yeah. But uh, like we said, he's approached Chris Jericho, spoke with Bam Bam Bigelow, and obviously one of the attractions of this night and the performer of the night was Rey Mysterio Jr. Ah. Uh, That's me putting two, to, two together. Nothing's written here, but I wonder if Eric Bischoff would be like, he's good. Well, he had his checkbook out, didn't he? So yeah. there's a very good chance that you might have kept it out for a little bit longer and written a few names down. So yeah. Rey Mysterio Jr., of course, will get his break. As part of WCW, at least in the yeah. in, in in the in the Americas and beyond, yeah. come through WCW back when he was good. <laughs> he's always good. What are you talking about? Oh, I've not been a fan for a while. What? He's fine. He's adapted his style. He's done everything but make a palm strike his finish. True, but I just I loved Ray Jr. I know he can't do it anymore, but leave the memories alone, Ray. <laughs> I always think it's funny that people call him Ray as if his name's Raymond when it means King, so they just call him King. <laughs> a big fan of King. <laughs> Uh, All right, Ray. <laughs> so, last bit of news. Former pro wrestler George Temple, who wrestled in the 1950s in Southern California, passed away. Temple is better known as the older brother of Shirley Temple. And apparently Shirley Temple in her heyday always tried to keep it quiet and was embarrassed by the fact her older brother was a wrestler. Really? Yeah. Oh, Shirley. Yeah. Oh, Shirley being a little... Oh, Shirley. Oh, <laughs> Denying her brother as a wrestler. You take your good ship lollipop and fucking moor it. Okay, <laughs> if the Cultaholic Out of Context Classic Review Podcast Twitter feed is listening, there's one for you. There's a clip for you. That's take, a, that's... take a good ship lollipop and moor it. That's it. I'm up. You knock them down, son. <laughs> so that's, that's all the news. I have a feeling over the next couple of weeks, the new sections of this podcast are going to grow and grow. They're going to get girthy. It's like we're sponsored by Bluetooth. Ooh. Which we're not, by the way. We're not. Uh, we are sponsored by NordVP. No, we're not. By Not right now. Maybe some point. Uh, let's go to Monday Night Raw uh, for week of Etsy, June the 3rd, 1996. It's a Monday night. Uh, we start with a recap of last week's Goldust and Ahmed Johnson shenanigans. This was Goldust giving Ahmed the kiss of life while he was on the stretcher. And Ahmed losing his fucking mind yeah. as a result of this hoofing multiple doors open and Fluffing a curtain as he walks past it. And choking the absolute bollocks off Bob Holly. Oh, God, yeah, Bob Holly gets a shoe shit. in. shit! Where's the big gold dickhead? Johnny, Johnny B-Bad just goes, look, what's that over there? Bye. And then disappears in a cloud of little Richard dust to get away from him. One for the Patreon exclusive here. Just oh. Johnny B-Bad was literally just like... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> just, just hiding behind. <laughs> and if you're listening, you'll never know. <laughs> never know what he was doing. Yeah, like a little Vic Reeves in the background type mentality. But Vic Reeves in Catterick. <laughs> when he's just staring through the window. Oh, Spatchcock! <laughs> what are you thinking about? Mandarins. I can't. Not the fruit, the people. I remember when we, when we were moving up to Newcastle and we were driving on the motorway and says, oh, turn left for Catterick. I was just like, oh, oh you want to go Catterick? It's like, I might dress up as the Yorkshire River. <laughs> <laughs> I just drive around Catterick for a bit. You should do that one day. I should, yeah. Yeah, if we head back, do that one day. Yeah. Have a little drive around, it'd be lovely. <laughs> Uh, we cut to Goldust in his boudoir. Uh, he is wearing an open robe, his modesty being hidden by the intercontinental title. And he tells Ahmed that if he wants it, come and get it. Yeah. This is a scene that the Blue Meanie will lampoon in 1999. Oh. Uh, heading into St. Valentine's Day Massacre, the Blue Meanie and Goldust have a one-on-one. Mm. And Blue Meanie is Blue Dust, and he does this whole bit here. He does. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a thing. It's, it's one for your eyes that you need. <laughs> love Brian. Uh, but, <laughs> but I love a, a resting image to start with Goldust there. Like, it caught me off guard. Yes, it certainly <laughs> did. What are those shots where you think, I don't know if I want my monitor in this public space right now, just in case people who are also sharing this Costa coffee with me wonder what I'm watching. And they didn't. I was watching it at home, just praying the Sean wouldn't come in, asking if I wanted to come to. <laughs> is that what made Louis go? <laughs> He's like, why, why is there, why is there a naked Goldman? And I was like, oh, Louis, just go to sleep. <laughs> Goldman. Goldman. That's a birdcage reference. At the top of the show. Are you a fan of the birdcage, Tom? I really love the birdcage. <laughs> I've never mentioned that before. My favourite. I'll tell you what, a new film entered my top ten this week. And, I, and I'd never thought about it in my top ten until I... Fell asleep watching it on Tuesday on me phone. And then I thought, I want to finish watching it last night. Stan and Ollie. The Laurel and Hardy biopic starring John C. Riley and Steve Coogan. Yes, I never watched it. I was excited for it to come out because as a kid, I loved Laurel and Hardy. Mm. And I'd forgotten about it until you mentioned it. Oh, do watch it and yeah. report back. It's free on the BBC iPlayer. Okay. It's, I, I love it. It's a, Alex has realised, she's realised over the last few years what a complicated beast I am. <laughs> 
because but whilst... no one understands it but his woman. <laughs> exactly. Tom Campbell. That's uh, it. Like she says, you have hair like Michael McDonald when it gets too long. Your music genre is Ducktales, and your TV and film genre is really sad biopics about funny people. <laughs> And, and as she said that, I looked across the room and my eye was drawn to where my books are, where there's a very heavily thumbed copy of The Tragic Life of Joseph Grimaldi. And I went, you're bang on, actually. There's something about watching shows about comedy stars who had a real fucking awful time. And I'm like, yeah, Kenny Everett. I like there's There was a, a BBC4 docu, docudrama called The Best Possible Taste. Hmm. And when it fell off the iPlayer, I was heartbroken. I found a DVD of it the other year, and it's the last DVD I bought. So I'm like, I just want to own it so I can watch <laughs> it at any point. And I think last year I watched it on my birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's really sad. But I don't know. And Stan and Ollie is like that times 10. It's about their their last tour together, and they were in the UK. Hmm. And like the, the ticket sales were down, and they were falling apart, and... Uh, Oliver Hardy had taken a gig without Stan Laurel and, and it was the tension that was building between them. But, oh, so beautifully done. Talking of depressing <laughs> tales about comedians, have you ever read Richard Pryor's book? I haven't, no, but I feel like it's in my wheelhouse. It's fucking rough. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is, where is it, would Kenneth Williams be higher or lower? <laughs> well, uh, he, he grew up in a brothel. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. And there's like a bit where he's talking about like his major pony that he loved. And he loved this little major horse and then he went away for a few days and he came back and his dogs had eaten it. <laughs> it's like, and he's like, I've just got to go free base cocaine and set myself on fire. Oh it's like, oh, fuck. God. <laughs> this sounds in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stan and Ollie's in there. Yeah. Stan and Ollie's in there. I can't remember what led me to it. Um, it was talking about the Blue Meanie, talking about the Gold, Goldman story. Goldman, bird Goldman the Birdcage, we're mm. back. One last one. Go on. The Eric and Ernie one from BBC oh, is quite good. Oh, yes. It? it was on that. It was a series called The Dark Side of Comedy. Oh, they did. I think it was an Eric and Ernie one. There was a Steptoe and Son yeah. one. And I think there was a Kenneth Williams one. Oh, I don't know about that. But they made, they made like a little BBC film about Eric and Ernie a couple, a couple of years ago. Oh, about maybe, the meeting oh, as young maybe men. it's unrelated to that then. Yeah. I remember the I've seen the Eric and Ernie one. And I've seen the Steptoe and someone, but I think they might be separate then. Yeah. The Eric and Ernie ones. There's a little bit. Of, there's a little bit of happiness in that, but it does oh, get yeah. quite sad. Yeah. Because it, it's a really sad story. Yeah. The, the fact that it's comedians who are the, the best at their craft, so like struggling internally behind the scenes, and all told, at some point, look, if you go on stage again, you will die. Like that's how <laughs> most of them go. Like the greats, Tommy Cooper, yeah, uh, Eric Morecambe, yeah, uh, Oliver Hardy. We're yeah. all told, if you go on stage again, you will die. <laughs> And Morgan just went, oh. Yeah, that's it. And they're like, oh, who cares? I'll dance anyway. And it's like, oh, God. Because this is all I've ever done. It's like, oh, that's my genre. If that's your genre, classic at Make me feel less alone. At the very top of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> there we go. This is why you're here. Um, Vince McMahon has confirmed to the audience that Ahmed Johnson and Goldust will meet for the Intercontinental title at King of the Ring. And it ties in nicely to what you said, sir, about Ahmed becoming the number two babyface. This is how you do it. You put the IC title on him. Yeah. Trap him to the moon. Yeah. It's the way WWF did it for years. Yeah. Until they were like, we'll put it on. We'll put it on Sean. Build him to the main event. We'll put it on Brett. Build him to the main event. We'll put it on Razor. Leave him in the Intercontinental title. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on Braun Strowman. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I hate when they don't put it on people they're going to build the main event. Yeah. Like, like Gunter is clearly being built yes. the main event. Yes. This is how you, this, that's what the belt's for. Mm. It's, it's like a little, it's like a key card to get you to the next to the next floor it's the, the workhorse office. title yeah that's it that's it it's the workhorse title if you put it on if you're a grafter and you could potentially become a top guy yeah it's like a little key card that gets you up to the to the to the, 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 the top floor to the penthouse um, and that's happening at King of the Ring 1996 uh, Ahmed's getting the keys to the penthouse uh, Bob Holly and Steve Austin are in action to start the show in a King of the Ring qualifying match I wonder what will happen we get a recap of In Your House Beware of Dog and the strap match that led to Ted DiBiase being driven out of the WWF. In local press interviews this week, Steve Austin has said, yeah, I sort of phoned it in against Savio Vega because I wanted Ted to go. Oh. Oh. A weird thing for a wrestler to admit, I didn't try in a match. And then he comes out, no million dollar title around his waist. No, all done. All that, all that decadence and all that is gone. Yeah. He is black top, he's black tights, black boots. Big black bully cock. Big black bully cock hanging out. <laughs> Here's the Steve Austin, almost that we know and love. The music needs a little bit of a change up, but we're on the road. Mm. Um, Vince tells us later tonight, Hunter Hearst Helmsley is facing Jake the Snake Roberts in our other King of the Ring qualifier. I wonder what will happen. I'm rooting for Hunter. Oh, who's been told you won't win a match for a year. <laughs> Oh, oh <laughs> yes. Austin and Bob have a slow and steady affair. Steve working over Bob's leg for a little bit. Austin shows off his cold-blooded nature. At one point, he tries to get Bob to go for like a wrestling-style wrist lock and just fucking punches him. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is why we love him. Uh, Holly mounts the <laughs> comeback, puts Austin in the sleeper for a little bit. He hits back with a stalling backbreaker, which is the movie, like a world's strongest slam yeah. into a backbreaker. I don't think I've ever seen Austin do that before. It really Am caught me off guard. Yeah, I've not seen him do it before. It's Unless weird when you see him pull out moves that he's never done because we're so familiar with his move set being so limited. Yeah. It's a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, because even if he did it as WCW stunning Steve Austin, in my head, that's a different person mm. to Stone Cold Steve Austin, black trunks, little beard, bald head. <laughs> just got emotional. My voice cracked there. I was like, little bald beard. Head. Little beard. I remember when he grew that beard. <laughs> <laughs> she was only 15 years old. <laughs> when she grew her beard. <laughs> Being in this room sets me off. It's nice. <laughs> I like it. We should come in here more often. <laughs> That's when me, it's pretty. It's when me and Matthew record the SmackDown review. So yeah. there is, there is like bollocks lingering in the air still from earlier on today. I mean, that's all a boy could ever dream for. <laughs> <laughs> where I certainly, certainly blurted out lines from Slade on holiday, just <laughs> out of context. So I had to go, right, I need to explain why I said that line. Or just go, still sweaty. <laughs> I think he said, Matthew said something. You'll, you'll have heard it by now. Matthew said something that the way in which he said it felt in line with, with me following it up going, or will we be walking to, to a breast? breast. <laughs> <laughs> and we both die. And I go, I now have to explain <laughs> the law of Slade on holiday. <laughs> it's, I don't get why people listen. I really don't. I don't. I'm glad you do. Yeah. Numbers are healthy, which means I keep my job. So thanks. I'm just baffled. No one yet has called me a twat on social media. No, you, yeah, everybody's been very kind. I know. It's and and, and people have gone, really enjoy it. And thanks for making 
I've had a rough week and it's helped. How? <laughs> it's like I don't know who the fuck Paul Whitehouse is, but I'm sure he's a lovely. I'm man. sure he's a lovely man. <laughs> I don't know what a slade is. Um, a nice Brett's rope elbow from Austin as well gets a nice bit of height on that sort mm. of deep elbow drop. Uh, as we go to the break, we have a very quick shot of Goldust in his robe again. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh God. I feel like I feel like that was um, <laughs> maybe that shot was meant to be a bit longer. Maybe linger yeah. longer because he was on the phone. Yeah, presumably ordering a pizza or something. And, uh, and they should have lingered on it a bit longer. No, I'm not suggesting they should have. You know what I mean. Uh, after the break, I mean, you could. After the break, Holly cracks Austin across the face and he starts to fight back. He goes for 10 bunches at the corner, but Austin merely pushes him off and straps in the million dollar dream. Yeah. Uh, and gets the submission victory. Oh, no, no, sorry. Holly passes out. They do the one arm check. Yeah. He puts his arm up and drops. They don't even bother the other two. Yeah, all is done. It's getting yeah. away. Uh, and. Uh, Austin moves into the next round. I wonder if he'll win. He'll mm. face Marty Gennetti or Savio Vega next. I hope it's Marty. Mm. I hope it's not. I hope it's Marty. <laughs> what are your thoughts on our opening endeavor? I wasn't really into this. No. Bob's boring. Austin's, like you're saying, it's jarring seeing Austin not work the stone cold way. It wasn't bad by any stretch. It was just a bit bland. Yeah. The bland, the, leaning the bland. Yeah, because they're still trying to get him over as this kind of like technical, he'll take you limb by limb thing. But we're just waiting for him to just go, oh, and fuck it, that's LA night. We're waiting for him to come out in a yellow leather jacket and point a lot. We're just waiting for stunners and Fez Pre Even though I'm enjoying the fact that he has got more of a moveset, it's just my head can't figure it out. He needs a more impactful style. Like yeah. Austin was always better with a more impactful style. I think that's why, like when he went for like the wrist lock, and yeah. he just clobbered him in the face. Yeah. Like, that was one of my favorite moments of the match because, like, that feels a bit like Austin. Yeah. Like, that style suits him. The sort of stalling world's strongest backbreaker doesn't suit him. No. The elbow drop off the top doesn't really suit him. Like, I think because we've had so many years of Austin just being punch, 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 punch. Yeah. Like, he's, like he's crapper, parappa, the rapper. <laughs> and that's kind of the style that we've always known. Does that mean that Ted DiBiase is like chop, chop, master onion? <laughs> certainly is. <laughs> it's all in the mind, don't you know? We, that's because we know that style. Like yeah. anything else is a bit like, any like, less than the best is a felony. It's burnt into our subconscious just because if, I don't know if there's, I, I assume most of the listeners out there will have, been watching during the Attitude Era, but if you weren't watching during the Attitude Era, like I don't think Fraser upstairs quite understands just how big Austin is. He, no, he obviously gets that he's a big name, but he was like one saying, "He's like, oh, I think if you ask the random person on the street, more people would know the Undertaker than Steve Austin." And I think me and you went absolutely mm. fucking not. But these are the times that we live in, my yeah, friend. This is the thing, like. You know, I, we know, we know that Napoleon was a big figure, yeah. but we probably don't realize the true yeah. hold that he had across his empire unless we lived through it. True. So like, I kind of get to many, Austin is like this sort of fictional character that they wrote about in scrolls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and oh. so it's, it's, it's so sad to think of it that way, but you think like the, like the bit we're talking about here, 96, like not even reach his full zenith. He won't do that until 98. And now it's like 98... Um, 2008, 2018, like we're nearly at like 25 years since then. And you think about in 96, 25 years before that was like the early 70s. Sad, isn't it? Dead soon. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Mate, I'm ready to go. 
It's I've a, done all I need to do. It's, I remember feeling, making myself feel sick because it's like, oh, like 20 years ago around this time, it was still like new metal and Limp Bizkit and Corn and all that. And you listen to that and it, it sounds dated, but it doesn't sound ancient. And then I think, oh, I was born in 88. 20 years before 88 was 68 and the Beatles were still alive. Still, still alive. There's, some of them are still alive now, but they were still together. And it's like from 68 to 88 seems like 100 years apart. Mm. Whereas from 2003 to 2023, doesn't. That's yeah. weird the way... Oh. Radio 2 played Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy yesterday. On Radio 2? On Radio 2. Was that they were just like, come back, Ken Bruce. <laughs> We've got all the hits. <laughs> now this is Radio 2 recognising that that's the old songs now. And that's the audience they need to go for. They need to go for people my age mm. for Radio 2. So they play that. Like, Ken Bruce... Not to go on too much of a tangent here. Like, I don't know. I'm, I, I have a BBC email, but I don't know the inner workings. I know there's massive changes across BBC Local coming soon, so my weekends are going to get quiet. I think you'll be glad to hear. Um, but with Ken Bruce and the changes there, I think I feel like he would have probably done that gig for another five years. Yeah. And then they would have probably gone... Got you this lovely comfy chair again. Yeah. So what he's done instead, I think, and I don't know anything. So what I think, because I think this is what I'd do. If I knew that I was on the way out, I'd go and have a chat with somebody nearby and a friend of mine for another firm and go, let's go and have a coffee and a bit of lunch. And then before you know it, hey, here's a bag of money. Come and do exactly what you're doing now at exactly the same time, but over here. Yeah. I will take this big bag of money and I'll see you later, alligator. <laughs> so that's it. He's, he could have done what he's doing for another five years where he is. I think he's given himself at least another 20. Well, I found out about Ken Bruce via you because I've been trying to go off social media more recently because I was just like, I should waste my time on it. Mm. Hence why I didn't know about this rocket fucking up in Cornwall. Because <laughs> um, I saw you post Lex Luger at the Mall of America and just went, this is what Ken Bruce has done. I was like, Oh, fuck, where's Ken Bruce gone? Yeah. That's what it is. That's yeah. the best way to describe it to wrestling people. This is, this is Ken Bruce walking into the Mall of America. Yeah. Madness. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a, it's, it's a really, do you know what? In, in all the, 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 the silliness that's going on around radio and some of the, the bittersweetness around it, I find that really exciting that there's like, what, what Greatest Hits Radio are doing is essentially what WCW are doing in our timeline now, yeah. where they are taking the stars from before and giving them a shiny new home. Mm -hmm. So for, for, for wayward fans, they go, well, everyone's over there. Simon Mayo's over there. Ken Bruce is over there. Steve Wright's probably going to go there. Jackie Brambles is over there. They've just turned it into Radio 2 that people loved. As Radio 2 becomes younger, they've gone evergreen. How long? Like, that's great. How long do you reckon until they get Evans? Well, Evan, no, I think Evans is tied up with Virgin Radio. Oh, I, th Virgin, I think he's he? got a really nice deal with them. I think yeah. Evans was the first guy to sort of bet on himself and do that. I really admired when he left, because he could have done Radio 2 forever. Mm. But, you know, biggest, biggest breakfast show in Europe as it was. And then he went, I want to go there. They've got hardly any listeners, but I really want the fucking challenge. And within a year, like, they're, they're like one and a half million people every morning <laughs> listening to him. Like, get in! Yeah. Bet on yourself! Love that. It's exciting. It's bittersweet, but it's exciting. I was going to say, I like the fact that we're carrying on the theme of the 90s by talking about... <laughs> about Radio 2 and Chris Evans and Steve Wright. Chris Bryan. Evans, Simon May. <laughs> All the classics. They're I remember when they were Radio 1. <laughs> <laughs> I do as well. It was a good time. Uh, we get a look at last week's Raw. 
Ultimate Warrior and Goldus getting counted out, courtesy of Jerry Lawler's cheeky involvement. It's been announced now that Warrior and Lawler are going to go one-on-one at King of the Ring. Oh, brilliant. My, be still my beating spleen. Oh, God. It's going to be fucking awful. On commentary, Lawler has a copy of the Warriors comic book. The main crux of this story is that Lawler's miffed that Warrior hasn't asked him to do the art for his comic. Yeah, because Lawler's a really good... He's a very good very illustrator. Good. Yeah. And he proves it because he's designed the cover of the King comic book, which is him standing over the ultimate loser. It's a very good <laughs> bit of art. It's a very good bit of art. Um, but that's the crux of their feud. I think this was... I like this section as well because it cuts to like a two-shot of Vince and Lawler talking to each other. And there's just a fan behind Jerry going, Burger King. <laughs> and Lawler just turns around and goes, shut up. And then the whole crowd start cheer- chanting it. And I was like, oh, that fella's started a big chat. It's giving it heat for what is going to be a shit match. That's, That's the like- best thing about being a baddie in wrestling is yeah. if one person's booing, booing you, you just, all you have to do is go, if anyone else boos, if anyone else boos me, I'm leaving. Yeah. And the whole place yeah. is like, it's like, it's like, but he, Pavlov dog plays Pavlovian, in it? Yeah. Wrestling is so Pavlovian. Don't overcomplicate it. You're all smelly. Oh, if you boo me again, if you're not quiet, I'm leaving. Come be fucking oh, smelly. <laughs> smell lovely. Everyone's dribbling. Wash me bum. Wash me bum. <laughs> no, you didn't. You're a wrestling fan. <laughs> it's all right. We're all together. Oh. Washing our bums together. Washing our bums. <laughs> Anyway, Barry Horowitz in the house. Go on, Buzzer. He's a good pat on the back in the mid card. And he is, bless him, and they even mentioned this on comms. He's going up against mankind. They're like, fair play, Barry. Good effort, but he's mental. Yeah, good luck. Good luck to you. Um, we're getting King of the Ring matches thrown at us left, right, and centre as Mankind is is staggering towards the ring. Jim Ross is backstage, stood next to a very 90s TV monitor. Oh, yeah. I cannot see it, but it's probably about as fat as it is long. <laughs> uh, and he announces that The Undertaker and Mankind are going one-on-one at King of the Ring. About time. They've it, been building this, what, like six weeks It now? feels like since since like the night after Mania. Actually, it might have been, yeah. It's been a long I think it fucking was, yeah. time. Weesh. Um, and the, uh, Jim Ross warns that this is going to be The Undertaker's most intense match ever. Oh, which is cool. Uh, Barry gives it a good go, but he is there to make mankind look indestructible, basically. Yeah. Uh, we go through a commercial break. Now, this is an interesting bit of history, which I never knew about until I watched this. Um... It's a commercial for WWF Live. Really weird visuals. But it's a, it's a young <laughs> kid. tits at first and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with a line, see it, feel it, touch it. So it's all a bit salacious. And then WWF, once again proving it has a fucking identity crisis, gives you a little bit of TNA. And then it's a kid wearing a shock therapy helmet tied to the ropes of the wrestling ring. Go like on. smiling. <laughs> this is the graphic for the WWS live event tour named the Attitude Adjustment Tour. First time we have seen and heard the words WWF Attitude at the same time. Oh, I thought he was going on about Attitude Adjustment John Cena, but yeah. A bit of both. Well, it's both, isn't it? That hadn't even clicked, WWF Attitude. Well, the Attitude Adjustment was called that because it was like a little nod to the fact that that era is over. Yeah. And John Cena is spearheading it. But yeah, that's the first time that WWF Attitude has been mentioned. Luckily, we won't have to talk about that 
particular era of John Cena for a while. No, no, I think I'll be dead by then. But I'm a fan of Cena now, but at the time, fuck me. <laughs> but it's interesting. It's, it's funny how all these big baby faces have that weird growing pain. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like Vince will always buy them, like, school uniforms that's, like, two sizes too big. Yeah. And they'll grow into it. And they always grow into it if they, if they wear it long enough. Yeah. They grow into it. But my God, like, you could, eat, you could just cut out so much of the middleman if you chose to. But instead, you're choosing to go, no, I want to persevere with him as a baby face for as long as possible. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a few, there's a few contenders that uh, play that game with us. Um, so yeah, the WWF Attitude Adjustment Tour coming to a, an armory near you because they're, they're not the glam, most glamorous of locations. Back from break, just in time to see Mankind put the mandible claw on Barry to get the win. Ah, well done, Mankind. Good well job, done. Barry. Well well uh, JR gets into the ring and asks Mankind for comments about Undertaker and King of the Ring. He is hoping that the Undertaker stands up and shows a bit of pride or just decides that this is too dangerous and doesn't show up at all. He says, Undertaker, you can't take my ear. It's already gone. You can't take my teeth. They're already gone. Of all the things I've lost in life, I think I miss my mind the most. Uh, King of the Ring, Undertaker, you're going to lose it all. Then squeals and pulls out his hair. Good bit, that, wasn't it? It was a good bit. What do you reckon to the whole Mankind package this week on Raw? It's been a weird one because there's still very much, even though we said he's been on since, what, the night after Mania? They're still establishing the character. He had that big thing at first where he choked out Undertaker, and then he, he, I take it he's been racking up wins on superstars, but we'd only see him every now and again on Raw to have a basic win over Barry Horowitz and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'm looking forward post-King of the Ring when they can build upon this early thing and say, right, now he's established, you know who he is. Let him loose. If yeah. you know what I mean. Because they're, they're, they're very cautious at this point in terms of how he's presented. It's it's like with the early Goldust run at first. It was just kind of like, oh, he, ooh, he's a bit. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then one day they just went, right, go. And they just went off to the races with Goldust. It's a bit like the, um, the Bray Wyatt stuff now, in the sense they're quite cautious. He's not getting matches. Yeah. Is the only difference. I feel like you should give him a few more matches. Yeah. But um, it's that thing of like, they're just kind of a little segment here, a little segment there. Not overly oversaturating with him, mm. and then um, but they will let him go. This will become a quite an exciting time for Mick Foley, for my, for Mrs. Foley's baby boy, be the biggest thing he ever does in wrestling. Yeah, uh, we get a recap of Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog and the convoluted finish from their ridiculous time at Beware of Dog One. <sighs> and it's been interesting to hear at the start of the show about all the, the stuff that went on yeah. in and around that. The fact that they thought it was just a house show main event now. They got told halfway through, oh, no, no, we're still on pay-per-view. I feel like I'm surprised why that wasn't communicated to them earlier. Maybe they didn't know as they're walking to the ring. It certainly feels like they did. Unless there was that much chaos in the back that when the feed went back live, they just, the word didn't get to him because they were just saying, yeah. right, everyone back to Battle Station, blah, blah, blah. No one said, oh, have you told Sean and Bulldog? Ah, yeah. It could just be as simple as that. Yeah. And that's just put Shawn Michaels in a foul old mood. Um, Doesn't take much, does it? It really really fucking doesn't. But don't worry, we're getting a rematch at King of the Ring. Um, And again, like you say, there were some people who probably didn't want to get the pay-per-view thinking that, well, we're going to get another go-around with these two anyway, so we'll just wait and watch the next one. Yeah. Which is fair. Uh, Godwins versus Holy Fuck Techno Team 2000! Oh, here they are. Travis and Troy, Eric Watts and 
Troy. Troy. We were saying this upstairs. Do we know who he is? We didn't look because... Was it? We couldn't be asked. You had it on your screen, and Ross said, "Who is that?" And you went Techno Team Two Thousand, and Matthew just went, "Oh, Eric Watson, the other lad." <laughs> <laughs> and we all just went, "Yeah, that's Eric Watson, the other lad." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed it was Eric Watson, the other lad. Okay, um, Chad Fortune and Eric Watts. Mm. Chad Fortune is your guy. Chad Fortune, uh, also a former monster truck driver. Okay. Good for him. Yeah. Remember him? Uh, and and uh, Eric Watts, uh, sorry, Bill, uh, Eric Watts, the son of cowboy Bill Watts. And he was, wasn't he also a um, thingy fortune? Wasn't he with uh, Rory Bramner for many years? <laughs> <laughs> Bremner burden, Chad Fortune. <laughs> It's like, oh, here's something about John Major. What do you think, Chad Fortune? He's there, just in his techno team here, just like. <laughs> That's a delightful, delightful connection. <laughs> um, before I'm the match, so, that's, like two people are going to get that. I'm sorry. Hey, that's hey, but, but, yeah, well, one of them being Bremner. <laughs> Before the match starts, as uh, the Techno Team 2000 are pace in the ring, we get Gold Dust once more. Oh. There he is, lackadaisical in his chaise lounge. Uh, he declares he might be poor and black, but he's here now. Uh, it's a line from The Color Purple. <laughs> Uh, he says he saved Ahmed's life last week. And uh, yeah. Jerry Lawless says that he's apparently going to get a certificate from the Red Cross for it, too. <laughs> uh, he promises that a King of the Ring, Ahmed Johnson, will melt in his hand and not in his mouth. And he'll never forget the name God Dust. And he's it's, eating a bar of chocolate as he does it. Great. I know. <laughs> Do we recognize what chocolate it was? Don't know. I feel like it might have been a, a Mars or a Snickers. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah, just cheeky. I liked it. I've just, uh, yeah, creepy effective makes me want to see the match job done. But mm. as I put here, it's fair to say the new gen has pretty much fucked off now. <laughs> it pretty much is. Because, again, for ages we've been saying, oh, it's, it's, it's eking out of new gen and into the beginnings of the Attitude Era. And here you've got what is essentially a naked man eating chocolate and basically saying, oh, God. <laughs> I want a bit of Ahmed in me. <laughs> it's like, hell. I'd rather he was just straight to the point. Like King of the Ring, I will have sex with Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> I'm buying it. Techno Team 2000, bless them, waited patiently to start their match. The Godwins are in there now. Oh, Sonny's at ringside. Hey. Let's focus on Sonny hey. with the tag team titles, hey. but not the tag team champions. <laughs> if there ever was a truer allegory for the tag division in 96, it is that. Sonny is the tag team champions. Yeah. Um, it turns out the body donners are very upset about Sonny ditching them. Let's cut to them backstage. Hey. There they are having a chat, and they say they're on a worldwide search to find a new manager. A P.O. box address is flashed up on the screen, uh, set up in Stamford for willing applicants to be the body donner's new manager. Two, you, two things. One, on. it's on the list. Don't worry. It's, it's on gonna, the list. It's I was going to say. Which is off my desk now. <laughs> that I've done with for now. Did, and, you, did you already know this one? Yes. Oh, I was hoping you'd watch this and go, fuck! No, I knew this one. I knew this one. I, uh, I had the first... Edits back from Lewis House, enacted some of them, and sent it to Justin. So Justin's having a look for it, and then, then it should be sent to Pachiti, and then who knows when it comes out? Who knows? Oh. But uh, yeah, I was, yeah, they're on the list. Don't worry. 
<laughs> but also, I'm surprised that they kept up this PO box because usually it usually says address not uh, going anymore. This phone number is no longer active. So part of me was thinking, oh, do we do we apply for it and send it to the PO I'm box? glad that you said that because I am keen to send something off to this PO box and just see what happens. Yeah. So let's do that before this time next week. Okay. Who should we dominate? Should we just send your manager script off? Oh fucking hell. Um, what if we put your manager script in the post? I might get blacklisted. You might get blacklisted. Yeah. Let's. So, which manager <laughs> would you? Oh, should we just send a picture of you? Yeah. Let's send the one that you put on my birthday card. Yeah. On, on our anniversary, our fucking engagement card. That one. Yeah. Let's send that one. If you got, if you got that somewhere that I can, we Maybe. can print that off. I think so. Right. We're gonna send that to the PO box. With no context. Oh, God. It's going to be one of those things, like the other year when there was a shot of backstage and there was the sign saying, do not let Scott Steiner in the arena. <laughs> so it's just my picture. It's just like, if you ever see this fella, tase him. And it's like, oh, great. But it's fine, because if, if you ever get offered the job at WWE HQ yeah. and you walk into reception and your picture is behind the reception desk, do not serve this man. Just shave your beard. Yeah. There you go. And they'd be like, "Who? <laughs> this can't be you. <laughs> Why is Dr. Robotnik here? And I'm just like... <laughs> I'm like, I've heard you got hedgehogs there and I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> Little dickhead. Get here. He pissed on my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my wife, Tails. <laughs> you do Halloween as Dr. Robotic one time. Oh, God. Yeah. Sean won't go near you for months afterwards. No, because she... she during lockdown, I was like, oh, I might shave off my beard and grow it again. And she went, no, I've never seen you about this, so I don't know if I find you attractive. And I was oh, like, it's a risk. I was like, surely we're, you know, too far along this road now, Sean. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 don't do it. It's a risk. It is a risk. Yeah. Alex is very much like, don't shave your beard ever. Like, she can trim it, but never get rid of the whole thing. Mm. She, I think she's seen pictures of me without it and gone, nope. That's a no. It's a no for me. I said, well, on our wedding day, I won't marry you. <laughs> if I turn up on the wedding day without it, it's like, I ain't marrying you. I think you turn up on the wedding day with your hair grown out, dyed white, oh. bit of salt and pepper in the beard, Hawaiian shirt, just going, oh. <laughs> you are marrying Michael McDonald. Whether you like it or not, whether he wants to or not. She wanted in his heart. She'd love that. That'd be great. I'd love that. I'd be there. They're like, yeah. oh, God, he can do it all, can't Love's young, love's young dreams. <laughs> now, I, I, it'd all go quiet, and then you'd stand up with a cigar going, what a pro, ladies and gentlemen. What a pro. What a pro. <laughs> Best <laughs> wedding ever. I want to plan it so somebody bursts through, and when they say anything to add, yeah. is it, will anyone speak uh, with issues with this wedding? Please speak now, forever hold your peace. I want somebody to burst in and go, I object! She's already married! And then wait a moment and go, is this the McIntyre wedding? <laughs> no, that's next. My mistake! <laughs> but then have the person outside go, <laughs> yes! <laughs> like they've got next door. <laughs> I really want that at our wedding. <laughs> Alex has said, we can have some fun, but let's not make it a circus. I was like, oh, I want to be a circus now! I want to ride it on an elephant! This is the worst funeral moment. <laughs> I could spring out of a coffin <laughs> on the back of an elephant. 
But then she, but then she says that, and then half an hour later, she'll say, "Oh, they've got a landing pad, helicopter landing pad. <laughs> we can fly in with these airwolf playing." <laughs> also, you're allowed to have fun. I'm not allowed to have fun. Airwolf is a fucking amazing thing. It's a great theme, to be fair. It's a great theme. It's not a bad idea either, actually. No, no. So helicopters to Airwolf and then someone bursting in. And at least one of our older relatives uh, standing up to give a few words and it's just the lyrics to Khaleesi's milkshake. Oh, that'd be great. It's got, we've got plans. We've got was plans, th- baby. I was thinking that as long as it's um, Airwolf and not, what was it, uh, <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, the movie. <laughs> was it Tales from the Dark Side? <laughs> You know, when, <laughs> you, you know when you have a thought and you say it and you think, no, that was a bit lowbrow. <laughs> no. It's... Not here. That doesn't happen. Here, the, uh, yeah. here the, 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 mouth to, the mouth to brain ratio is much lighter. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. does that. It's you. this room. It's this room. I'm it's a bit warm. I'm on the wrong side. On the wrong side, it's a bit warm. It's a good little mental test. Yeah. I like it. I like sometimes just, it's to shock people out of their normal routine. Okay. Okay. Just get came, people out of their system. Came in this morning, had to do my best Rodney Dangerfields. Like, even at work, I get no yeah. respect. <laughs> yeah, oh, here, here, here he is. <laughs> Putting a shift in, are we? <laughs> oh, shit. Jackie Orlando's having a... Oh. <laughs> Turned up, have you? <laughs> at Aiden, just go, oh. Turned up today, have you? And you hadn't even finished this answer. I just went, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm, if I turn up about 20 minutes late, he'll go, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> wanking, what do you think? <laughs> where I always am. Running down the street, wanking. <laughs> I have to multitask, got lots to do. Godwins and Techno Team 2000. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was happening. <laughs> Pretty basic match ends with Henry Land and the Slop Drop. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's a sunny chant during this. And Sonny plays it well. Yeah. She kind of goes, yeah, everyone knows I'm the best. Yeah. So, like, what you, did you have any notes on Techno Team 2000 versus the Godwins? I mean, Techno Team got a lot of events in because the story was that the Godwins, like, Phineas was just like, oh, Sonny's there. She's the fittest woman I've ever been near. <laughs> I can win her back. It's like, no, mate, she's using you. Um, so Techno Team got, like, a double karate kick that was okay. Some weird weak spinning moonsault thing, which was a bit bad. <laughs> it wasn't an important match. It was just about getting Sonny's character over. Yeah. But from that standpoint, it was a success. Yeah, because it allowed Sonny the time to... A lot of matches on Raw, which we've talked about over the past few months, they are merely backdrops for other storyline yes. um, notes to be hit. Yeah. Like, um, what's the word... Um, narratives to be told and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that sort of thing. So it's just a backdrop for that, really. But I mean, yeah, because I'm not a big fan of the Godwins. No. And Techno Team 2000 aren't great. So it's just one of those that's just kind of like, yeah, okay, can we finish this now? <laughs> Throughout the night, Clarence Mason, apparently, according to Jerry Lawler, uh, has been champing at the bit to show off some footage that shows that uh, he was assaulted by Gorilla Monsoon. This is so violent. Is we, violent. We finally get it here. So the violence is... Do you want to talk us through the violence? Uh, you can't, because I haven't actually taken it. I know you won't. <laughs> so as, it, was last, it was last week on Raw where Gorilla Monsoon is ushering just like, Clarence Mason to the back. You know, just, Pats him on the back, really like. Yeah, it's just like uh, this way. This way, Dicker. Usher him along. Uh, Clarence Mason slows his footage down, puts a circle around it, talks over it on the phone, and says, At this point, I was assaulted by Gorilla (laughs) Monsoon. 
Uh, the following week, he's turned up on, I think it's Superstars, with like a brace and and, and like a, his arm in a sling. Yeah. Still recovering from this heinous attack by Monsoon where he pats him on the back. He even said he is unable to consort with his mate as a result of injuries sustained. <laughs> <laughs> Great choice of words. He is planning to sue Gorilla Monsoon uh, as his injuries have got much worse since then. Yeah. So pending lawsuit from Clarence Mason. Everyone loves to hate a shite bag lawyer, don't they? Oh, yeah. And I love to hate Clarence Mason. More at, of that, please. At least he didn't go for the Chewbacca defence. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's still time. Mm. Does it make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca is a walkie. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> Look at the monkey. Look at the silly <laughs> monkey. <laughs> it's a hell of a South Park call about that. I like it. 26 years ago. Jeez. <laughs> Dead soon. Hunter uh, <laughs> Hurst Helmsley takes on Jake the Snake Roberts in our it's our other King of the Ring qualifier. Uh, Jake goes for several early DDT attempts. Helmsley ducks out of the ring to avoid them. Mm. Uh, Jerry Lawler, meanwhile, pervy at ringside with Hunter's consort, Jenny. Yes. Mm, they, they gave her a live mic. That's a risk, isn't it? Yeah. She didn't really have much to no, bring Vince to was, the Vince world. Vince was quite mean about her as well. Yes. So basically, because Vince, via Jerry, asks Jenny, what does she think of Hunter's nose? And she says it's perfect. Vince calls her the rocket scientist of the week. I was like, come on, Vince. You mean, isn't it? Belland. <laughs> um, Jake the snake, like Jake and Hunter carry on. Uh, Hunter, Hunter's obviously got the youth advantage compared to, as Vince describes, the 43 years of Jake. Mm. Jake Roberts is 43 here. Mm. I'm 39 in like a week and a bit. Yeah. I don't look anywhere near as I don't look like Jake Roberts. Good. I'm good. It's good. And I'm relieved. But when he said 43, I went, oh, what? Mm. That's, uh, that's, uh, drugs, kids. Yep. The drugs. It's 43. 43. Jeez. I assumed he was like late 40s, early 50s. It's like going back and seeing footage of Earthquake in the 80s and being like, oh, look at that 50 year old man. It's like, yep, 24. <laughs> it's like nine Ooh. there. <laughs> In Earthquake Age 9. I can't stand snakes! <sighs> Just weird, like, fashion and, and yeah. vitamin deficiencies. <laughs> like watching Bullseye, really? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. my Christ. Jesus Christ, watching Bullseye is horrific. <laughs> like, it's like, he's our young couple. It's like, it's Betty and, it's Betty and, and Ralph, <laughs> 24 and 22. Oh, both you... got mullets. Four teeth between them. <laughs> Two up, two down. Meeting two veg every meal. They bought a house for three grand. Yeah. And <laughs> he's got a job at the fucking dust factory. And he's, she's a stay-at-home mum for 17 kids. Chloe Radcliffe and the, the others are all called John. Radcliffe. <laughs> Radcliffe? What should we call our child? Radcliffe? Radcliffe. She feeds them on like a loaf of bread that costs... Like two pence, two D, two D, and and like she'll go, she'll go to a food shop and she'll buy eighteen loaves of bread, seventy six eggs, big bag of arsenic, and uh, fourteen of Mister Gibbons all fat sausages, <laughs> two quid. <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget two of the main food groups: white sauce and aspic. <laughs> They help your stuff. They'll help all your body work properly. <laughs> <laughs> Do be healthy. 
You mm. want plain white sauce. Don't eat that. Plain white sauce. Plain white sauce make your teeth go grey. <laughs> What's that? That's tasty snack. You don't want to go eat a snack like that. Greedy, sweet. <laughs> You'll end up with your teeth all grey. I'm tired. I'm, I'm never more confused by food after watching the, the food episode of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. That is easily the most horrific out of all of them. Yeah, the pie bit at the end. Did mm. you watch the Channel 4 series? I watched the first episode and then recorded it and haven't been part. Oh, it's very good. Yeah. It's very faithful. Yeah. And they add a bit of lore. Oh, okay. Mm, like, and not out of, out of place yeah. lore that kind of inspires hopefully another season. Mm, yeah. I, it was one of those recording. It was like, right, cool. Sit down. Watch the first one then. Life happened. Mine, life happened. Yeah. Um, Jake slows it down, works over Hunter's arm <laughs> for the longest time. Uh, Hunter ducks out another DDT attempt as we go to break. On the Superstar line, option six, find out what Vince McMahon has to say about Billionaire Ted's latest corporate raid, which we talked about a little earlier on today as well. Yeah. Uh, from here, uh, we come back just in time for Jake Roberts to poof, crack a DDT out. For one for the lads. One, two, three. Jake Roberts pins Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Off he goes to the next round of the King of the Ring. Yeah. Uh, ends the night by grabbing the snake. Going to put the snake down Hunter's trousers like it's a ferret in Yorkshire. <laughs> and and the ref, you know, knows when to stop the bullshit and goes, no, you can't put a snake down another man's trousers. Yeah. And Jake goes, trousers, snake. Whoa! <laughs> what fun we're having. And uh, that's where Raw ends this week with Jake holding up his snake like it's the King of the Ring trophy. <laughs> I'm sure he'll make it all the way to the final. I hope he's so. fine with the power of Jesus. I liked this match. Yeah, it I was, thought it was fun. It was a story. It was a simple story. Jake wanted the DDT. Hunter kept avoiding it. Mm. Um, and even though we're saying Jake looks 43, he looks rough. He's still over. Even, the audio was sweetened a little bit, but when Jake comes out, you do see everyone get to their feet. It's like, it's fucking Jake the Snake. Mm. So They rush to the front, don't they, to get, yeah. a, bit of, to get a glimpse of, of Jake. You're over until you're not, aren't you? So. And fair fucks to Hunter, who is uh, setting out on a year of just being buried by the yeah. company. But he's going to do it with style. Like yeah. He's going to have fun every match and, and go down swinging. He's not going to half-heart it. No. Like he's, he, he certainly gives it socks all the way through, and he will do for the whole year. And that is eventually what will make Vince go, actually, he's all right. Yeah. He's taken his punishment well, and let's give him the world, and he'll become the most powerful wrestler of all time. He wants the moon on a stick, he does. Do you know what? One day he'll have it as well. <laughs> Until Vince comes back amid sexual allegations. Um, <laughs> so that's Raw this week. Mm. 1996. We, we, we career into a very interesting time in the world of wrestling. Oh, God, I don't oh, we? Make, make extra time for, for the new segments because they're going to get a juicy as the weeks go Jossie, on. Very juicy. What are you uh, working on this week? The, anything you can reveal? It's it's the new it's it's a new big one. Oh, you've been working at home on the big one, haven't you? Well, I've been trying to, <laughs> and you've been doing some work for. Mm. I've been trying to, but the pain in the ass is like the managers list took me from April until this week, the beginning of January, basically. <laughs> so I, I set out to start doing this new project. I've got like four books to get through. I've started making a list of all. I'm like treating it like an essay, getting all my sources down, etc. Made a timeline. Already done like four thousand words of like notes just before I even start properly getting into the research. That was one day last week. Since then, it's like oh, Aiden's been off, so I've been on the news. Mm. 
And then it was like, oh, I'll have a day today. Oh, no, I've got to do the edits for the managers list. And then we've got the rumble coming up, so we're going to be busy there. Mm. And then Aiden's off for a week, etc. So I'm not going to get any bastard work done yeah. until about March. <laughs> I was sat at home the other day while working, and I was just doing other stuff and then looking at me diary. And I just said out loud, I said, no wonder managers took me fucking eight fucking months. <laughs> so it's a big one. I'm it's very, a good one. I'm excited. It's going to take a long time. Pachiti's already told the people involved, he's like, this is going to take months to write. Mm. So, a big thing. It's a big, exciting thing. Yeah, well, yourself, anything, anything fun? Um, so this week, I can reveal, if you listen to the Smackdown review, you'll already know this, Desert Island Graps on Wednesday with Guru Larry. Oh! Yeah! Hello, you. Hello, you. <laughs> now, Guru Larry admittedly went, oh, I haven't watched wrestling since like 2000, but oh, I'm up for having a chat about it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So, honestly, we recorded it the other week. We spent an hour just fucking laughing. Yeah. Honest, I had so much fun. It's one of my favorite episodes that we did. Like, it is just, if you enjoy the energy of a classic review, Guru Larry is a delightful accompaniment to one. He's great. Love Guru Larry. Uh, so he's on Wednesday, you'll hear Super. him. Uh, uh, Some What else? So we had, last week you had two episodes. You had Mr. GM from the World of Warcraft YouTube community. He mm-hmm. popped by to say hi. Chris Garrett popped in, a.k.a. G-Man, the English uh, broadcast MC for Pro Wrestling Noah. Noah. Did you do your Noah, Noah joke through him? Do you know what? I walked away today and realized I had a chat with G-Man for ages, and I thought I didn't tell him the Noah joke. <laughs> I'll have to find another time. To tell him, <laughs> yes. just, just send it to him with no context, and he's like, "What?" Triple H span as well. Okay, but he's but it adds that was on Thursday, so you can hear that hear that on the podcast feed already. And Guru Larry's coming up on Wednesday, so lots of nice, lots of lovely chats with lovely people. Lovely, lovely, it's lovely. really lovely. We're for, we're probably back into the back into the groove now in 2023, and until we're next back together for more grooving, he is at Brad Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. <laughs> Right, Carl Hollick on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Eggs. Eggs. Love you, bye. <laughs> this room does things to me. Just- <laughs>
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.